As we continue through our series of Unleashed, um, for our visitors and guests, I just want to let you know where our focal point is spending a year with Jesus. And um, right now we're talking about Unleashed. I'm in this series where God has unleashed his Holy Spirit on us to do amazing things. And, and today's focal point is shaken. So my question for you is this. Have you ever had one of those weeks? I mean, just one of those weeks where... Everything positive and good that you planned and that you tried to do was just somehow trumped by a bigger negative thing. Just, I mean, every time you turned around, just, you were just stumped or, or, or just something negative happened. And that's shaken, people. Where, where you're, you're trying to do good and maybe the world is just pulling the rug out from underneath you. And, and the negative just keeps trumping what you're trying to do. That was my week at camp. <laughs> Now, I have to caveat this with, spiritually, it was awesome, okay? But physically, uh, we had one of those weeks. Everything was planned out. The theme for the week, it was called the playground. And, and the focal point was how the world will distract us. We had fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. So, so it makes sense that we're going to talk about the playground, things they can relate to. Uh, how the world prevent, presents itself as a playground. Each day had a sub-point. Monday was merry-go-round Monday. And when we talked about the circle of friendships and how, how we can sometimes get caught up in the way that our friendships kind of spin around and, and we get caught up in certain circles of influence and, and how as Christians we should be the change and we should be the difference maker in those relationships and that circle of friendships, so to speak, that we have. And then, and then on Tuesday, we talked about how life is like crossing the monkey bars. There's a start and there's a finish. And, and sometimes from going from being an infant to, to being an adult, how hard times come and how you just need to hang in there like that, that old poster with the cat, you know. Hang in there. I always hoped he would fall, but um, sorry, <laughs> cat lovers, got it. Uh, but anyhow, just hang in there. You know, we encourage our campers using First Timothy. You know, encourage them. Don't let somebody look down on you because you're young. But in, but instead, you are equipped to share God wherever you go. And, and that was kind of how Tuesday was for them. Wednesday was my favorite day for the most part. It was called the Game of Life. And, and we actually found an old commercial from the actual Game of Life, and we played it for the kids, and they were like. How come there wasn't any color back then? Because it was black and white, you know. But it was great, the game of life. And, and that even we, how, how things aren't fair sometimes. That, and, and even when life isn't fair, we should still press on and focus on Jesus and try to honor God through every situation in life. We used Matthew ten thirty nine: whoever loses their life will gain it. You, you see, because in life, we want to win. We want to be winners. That's what the world tells us. And we want to be number one. But Jesus wants something more for us. And he's already won the game of life for us. And he, he conquered the grave. And, and so we must lose our own life. And, and if we lose our life for the sake of Christ, we will win. And, and that's kind of how camp went for us that Sunday through Thursday. Um, and, and we're telling the campers on, on Thursday was about sandbox. Because you can't be on the playground and not play in the sandbox. Uh, but, but more specifically, we called it Sandcastle Thursday. And, and the whole focal point of that was, was what are you building on, you know? And, and we talked about how, how when you build a sandcastle, um, you know, and, and you build it, you put all this time and effort into it, and then the waves knock it down, or, or somebody knocks it over when you're not paying attention to it. And, and as the person who created the sandcastle, you're kind of sad. And, and we showed some clips. There was this movie, this TV show used to be on called Sandblasters. And these amazing artists would come out on three different teams, they would build these elaborate sandcastles, and then they would get judged. 
And then the one that got the most points would get to pick a number between one and three. And whatever number they picked, they would, they would detonate. And, and it would just, it was gone. And, and so we had some really good slow motion of how that happens and then bringing it back. And we had a lot of fun with that. And the whole focal point was, was that, you know, when, when someone comes along and knocks it over or, or blows it up, you know, you're upset because it's something you created. And, and we share with these kids that the same goes for God. When, when we allow the world to do these things to us, that that's how God feels, that he's, he's created us in his image. And, and when we allow the world to break us down, just like a sandcastle, when we don't have a foundation, and so we ask the kids, where's your foundation? What are you building on? And, and we encourage them with 1 Corinthians six nineteen, explain to them that their body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and, and they were created for something more. Now, wouldn't you know it, in, in the middle of all this cool camp stuff, a sermon breaks out, <laughs> okay? Uh, Every day, something happened physically or something broke. And as a matter of fact, the Friday before camp started, we had two air conditioners break down. So we got those repaired um, that Friday evening. And then the pool pump got jealous and it decided that it needed some attention. And the Sunday that camp started, we took care of the pool pump. Monday started off with a crazy thunderstorm out of nowhere uh, so 90% of our outdoor activity became indoor until just before dinner. Um, we, we canceled the whole first half of what we were going to do because most of it happened to be outside because we're on the playground. <laughs> uh, it was crazy. Then the other two AC units had issues. We took care of them, and then we had to fix a thermostat issue. One of our ladies went into town uh, one evening early in the week, and, and coming out of Walmart was, was actually assaulted, was, was punched in the face, um, and, and so I had to institute a rule. Nobody goes to town by themselves. And now the unique thing is it was, it was my best friend, Kevin. It was his wife and she grew up in Miami. And so <laughs> she beat him up. <laughs> um, he didn't know she was a journeyman electrician <laughs> and, uh, she's kind of wiry. <laughs> and so it's kind of embarrassing because that's not something you, I punched a girl in Walmart and she beat me up, but it was a scary situation. And it just seemed like every night there was, there was something that was happening. And, and then finally, on Wednesday, just about, we'd made it through, through almost the whole day without anything breaking or anything crazy happening. And, and Mornick and I are like, man, this is a great day. It's the first day. Nobody's bleeding too bad. There's nothing, nothing bad going on. And, and just as we're about to have dinner, oh, we're out of water. It happens. Sometimes the pump just drains out. We go out, we start flipping switches, nothing. Oh, we're really out of water. We realized that there was a little switch that was broken. So Wednesday night, um, we do campfire out at the pool. <laughs> it's as close to clean as we're going to get. The junior high boys were like, yeah, or the elementary boys. <laughs> yes, it does count as a bath. <laughs> the girls are like, this is gross. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so Wednesday night, we gave them bottles of water, brushed their teeth, uh, had some great teenage helpers who learned how to gravity flush toilets by taking water from the pool. And, you know, we were out of water, people. It was bad. Um, so Thursday morning, we get up early. We pull off the part that was, was broken, and it was burned up, and you could tell it was broken. We go running into town. We come back with a new part. We get it all put on. Uh, side note, we had hand sanitizer, too. Uh, you know, we did, we did we could. 
we get, we get this part put back on and we get the new one hooked up. We fire it up and, and water starts pumping. And me and Kevin and Warnick are out of the shed. We're like, yeah, psh, psh. we're all high-fiving because of our awesomeness. And in the midst of our celebration, the water stopped flowing. <laughs> we're hitting it. And, you know, at that point, we didn't know what to do. Our, our celebration was short-lived. And we began to make phone calls and start tracking down what we did this. It was the only thing above ground we knew to touch. And we fixed it and uh, started calling people and, and checking out issues and and found out that the actual pump down in the well was broke. And uh, so Warnick starts laughing in the middle of all this. And I'm like, it's not funny, dude. <laughs> this is close to losing my mind. <laughs> he says, don't you find it funny that, that here we are telling our campers, be the difference maker, hang in there, life isn't fair. <laughs> Where's your foundation? <laughs> he says, you're working on a sermon called Shaken for Sunday. <laughs> it's been written for you every day. I was like, oh, this is horrible. He, he's right. It wasn't fair. It wasn't easy. It stressed us to the point where we were really, we, had to, we were making sure we had to stop and, and just pray. and be, We were outside at one minute, beating on an air conditioner, trying to get back in so we can do the lesson and the worship and the other stuff we're doing, and going back outside to fix the septic tank or whatever else was breaking, and it was just crazy. Storms are what reveal foundations. Storms show us what we're made of, and, and that's what shaking is all about. The, the question here is, what are you made of? What is your life built on? What will you do when your world is shaken? Will you run? Will you just give up and quit when your world is shaken? When, when your circle of friends starts to get pulled apart for some reason, where's your foundation? You know, we, we look through the Bible and, and especially during this series, I'm, I'm working kind of through Acts. And, and we look at the early church and we can ask some of those same questions. What's going to happen next? Will they have the foundation to endure? Uh, but even before we get into the book of Acts, we, the disciples go through some times of being shaken. Even, and I'm not even talking about when, on Jesus' death. I'm talking about before then. The, these men were shaken at different times. I remember Peter and John, uh, they experienced some different storms with Jesus you remember this one? All the disciples are in a boat, and they're in the middle of the lake. It's kind of stormy, and Jesus starts walking out on water to meet them. First, they were afraid. That's a ghost. And then Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And, and Peter walks on water, and he's walking towards Jesus. And, and the Bible says that he sees the wind and the rain, and he begins to sink, shaken. He's, he's looking Jesus in the eye. He's walking to Jesus and he forgot about his true foundation. And he was distracted and scared. How about when they were all in the boat, including Jesus, and, and the storm comes and, and they start to get a little freaked out. But where's Jesus? He's asleep. And they're like, oh, surely we're going to die. And he, they wake him up. And, and he just says, be quiet. Be still, shaken. With Jesus in the boat with them, they forgot where their foundation was, or I should say who their foundation is. Last week, I talked about Acts chapter 4 a lot. And, and Peter and John, they're, they're going into the synagogue. They heal a man, 
And they were arrested for it because they preached afterwards. And they were warned not to preach anymore about Jesus. And then they were released. And the Bible tells us they went to their own people. They were shaken. They'd, they'd been arrested. They'd been interrogated. They, they had been just, you know, short of getting a beaten uh, from the temple guards and this whole situation. But the difference is they remembered their foundation. Because the Bible tells us that they, they went back to their people. They went to their own people and they prayed. Acts chapter 4, verse 24, this is what it says. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable their servants, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. You see, these people, they use scripture in prayer not to remind God what he has said to them, but to remind themselves of his sovereignty. There, there are many bold prayers in scripture like this. Uh, remember these people and, and the things they did when they were shaken. Remember Abraham boldly prayed that God would spare Lot and his family uh, in Sodom. Joshua boldly prayed that the sun would stand still so that he could gain, they could gain victory. Esther boldly approached the throne so she could spare her people. Daniel boldly knelt in prayer that God would protect him. You see, Jesus even urged us to pray and be bold about it, to pray bold prayers. And he prayed for our unity he prayed that we would be like one so that we would not be shaken, but have a firm foundation. But here in the book of Acts, the, they present the dilemma. As they're praying to God, they present their dilemma and what's going on around them. They say, Lord, consider their hearts and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They don't say, take this away from us. They don't say, you know, keep this from happening. But instead, they, they consider the dilemma around them. And they say things like, you know, help us endure it. Help us make it through this time. They realize, bottom line, that what God decides is the best. They're saying, we trust you, God. We see what you did in David. We've seen what you've done in the past. And that's what they've prayed. Has that ever been you? You know, as I've been working on this series and on this sermon particularly, it, it occurred to me, we will be shaken from time to time. The question isn't, will your life be shaken or will our church be shaken? The question is, when your life is shaken or when your church is shaken, when your world is turned upside down by something that you think you have no control over, the real question is, where's your foundation while that's happening? Where's your foundation during that shaken process? That's the question. I've asked Brad Troyer to come and share some of his life story with us today. And not, not because he's a superhero or, or anything like that, 
but because he received some news not long ago that was less than average, in my opinion. And, and his attitude and, and Deborah's was that even though they were shaken by the news, they knew where their foundation was. I want you to listen as Brad shares his recent testimony. Point of fact, I am a Superman here, so. <laughs> I, uh, I do like the story about Peter coming out of the boat. Uh, I think it's uh, very poignant in the fact that in, in the storms of life, when we have our eyes on Jesus, everything seems to go a lot better. But as soon as we get our eyes on the storm, start worrying about that, we start to sink. When I was in high school, uh, my sophomore year, I had a gentleman that I knew, a young man. His name was Steve Roth. He uh, was a couple years older than me. He was, went to my church. He was in our youth group. And uh, he was a very well-liked young man. He was a, a manager on our football team. was a very successful football team. Uh, had a very positive outlook, very positive attitude. And uh, just before the Christmas time of his senior year, I was a sophomore at the time, I uh, started having some medical issues. And uh, they found out soon after Christmas that Steve had some type of inoperable tumor. I don't remember now exactly what it was. And about three months later, Steve died. And during the funeral, uh, I remember, I believe it was his father was talking about him, and when they were talking with the doctor uh, about what the problem was, they didn't know it yet at the time, uh, they told Steve that he had an inoperable tumor, he was going to, to die, and he only had a few months to live. And Steve's response at the time was, oh my. And immediately his thoughts turned to his family and his friends and started consoling them and telling them that it was going to be all right. And Steve was a Christian, and he had that basis and foundation that, you know, that I have as well. And I always thought at the time, I don't know why that stuck with me through the years, but I uh, always thought at the time that if I ever had a situation like that, I hoped that I could be uh, that way uh, more inspiring to my, worrying more about my friends and inspiring to them and then concerned about myself. Uh, my situation started about a year ago, January. Uh, I started having a little bit of pain in my tailbone. Um, didn't really know what it was, and I only really noticed it when I was my shooting. I know many of you know that I'm an active shooter. I shoot competitively. And the way I sit when I shoot, I sit on a little bag and, and I pull my knees up to my body and it puts a lot of pressure right down on my tailbone. And uh, I went on for a couple months. I went to the doctor and he took an x-ray and didn't really see anything there. He said, ah, let's not worry about it. Take some ibuprofen. We'll see if it goes away. So I let it go on for about a year and that continued to get worse, and then it started to uh, also get some lower back pain. And uh, along with this, over the last few years, I've been having some problems with every few weeks. About every eight weeks or so, I'd get sick. And right after Christmas, I got really sick, and it just wasn't getting better. So we decided to do a full-court press on figuring out what's going on here. Part of that, we decided, was to do an MRI of my tailbone and my lower back to see if I had some issues that needed to be dealt with there. And that's when they found that I had some kind of growth on my tailbone. At first, the doctors thought, hey, this is just, you know, some kind of fracture. You got a little fracture there. It's trying to heal. It's no big deal. But we pressed them to do a biopsy to make sure that it wasn't something more to worry about. And uh, they didn't want to. They didn't think they had to. But we asked them to do it anyways. And when they got the results back, that's when they found that it was, a, in fact, a tumor. Uh, 
as soon as we knew that there was something on my tailbone, my wife, she, she started doing a bunch of research on the web and finding all these things. And what we found out was that uh, having a, a tumor on your tailbone is extremely rare. There's only about one in a, in a million people ever have that, about 300 cases a year. And she started talking about this thing called chordoma. I said, normally there's either a, a, a norticordal type of tumor, which is a benign tumor, or it's this chordoma tumor, which is really, really bad. And uh, the doctor, when he came back, he started talking with me one Friday and when they got the results back. And uh, he started talking about, well, they think it might be a chordoma and this kind of thing. And that perked my ears up because, like, oh, that sounded really bad. So we went in to talk with him. And... They had never seen anything like this. this these, these types of tumors are so rare. And, of course, this started raising a concern. This when suddenly we realized that this was a lot more than just a little crack in my tailbone. And uh, it, it was really interesting for me uh, because as soon as we knew there was something going on there, there a peace came over me. And I can't explain it. It's one of those it was peace that surpasses all explanations. And... I knew that something was going on here, and it was something more than just me, but that things were going to be okay. Um, you know, it, made, it gets you to start thinking about why do things happen to people? Why do good things happen to bad people? I and mean, we hear that a lot, and you don't always really understand that. It, you know, it's like you, you see these kids and people who have tumors or cancer, and you think, why does God allow that to happen? Well... I've been around as a Christian. I've been around the Christian circles a long time. And I knew in my life that God was going to use this for good. There was no doubt in my mind. I didn't know how it was going to turn out. Uh, you know, it could be that it was going to turn out to be something very bad that I might die. Uh, but it also could turn out to be benign and be nothing to worry about. And I, I knew where I was going. I knew where my final destination was going to be, whether my life terminated with this tumor or if it was going to terminate 30 years down the road. And so I had a peace with that, and, it, and, and since it was happening to me, I didn't have that big a concern about it because I knew if I died, I was going to a better place. I really did focus more on my wife and my family and my friends because I knew that this would have more of an effect on them. And as we started moving forward and started telling people about it, I asked people to say, look, pray for my family, pray for my wife, and pray that God will use this for good no matter how it turns out because he always does. And uh, I've, I've seen and heard enough other cases in people's lives. I listen you know, to James Dobson on the radio and other radio programs where you hear these people give their testimonies. And sometimes people, they pass away and all this good stuff comes out of that happening. And sometimes they get healed and all this good stuff comes out of that. And I knew that eventually something good would come out of that. And so I asked people to, to, to pray for us and to pray for my wife especially because she had a lot more to deal with on this than what I did. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, I had a lot of people praying for me. My mom and dad, they go to a church up in Indiana. They had a, all the people up there praying for me. Of course, all of you have been praying for me. And, I, and, and we could feel that, Deb and I. And there was a, a peace and a power that we felt within that. I, uh, she, my wife told a bunch of people at her work about it, and I, they had to put me on their prayer list. And I had one lady come into work about uh, three weeks after this had come out, and we started telling people about it. And uh, one Monday morning, I'm in the break room, and she walks in, and she says, Hey, are, are you having a medical problem of some sort? And I said, Well, yeah, and I explained to her what was going on. And she said, Well, you know, somebody at my church, and it was some church I'd never even heard of, a denomination, I don't even remember what it was now, but 
And she says, well, somebody in our church put you on our prayer list. I said, I said certainly there's not two Brad Troyers in Huntsville. So and I said, yeah, I'm pretty unique that way. So Anyway, I am one of, uh, one of a million. I had a t- tumor on my tailbone. And as it turns out, the tumor was benign, and it was actually called a benign chordoma. And uh, because of the fact that they caught it so early, uh, it was a chordoma, but it was not turned malignant yet. So they were able to get it out. Uh, they had negative margins, which means they took the tumor out, the tailbone and all, and uh, were able to get it out with the material around it. And the material around it had all negative uh, returns on, on uh, tumor material, which means they had negative margins, which means they think that uh, after I heal up, I'm still on the mend right now, but after I heal up, I should not have any more problems with this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that there's still an outside chance that it could grow back in five to ten years, but they don't think that's going to happen. But even if it does, uh, that's all by God's plan, and, and you know, we'll deal with that then, and, and God will deal with it, and he'll use it for some other purpose at that point. So, um, you know, Deb and I would like to say thank you to everybody here for the people who have brought food to us, the people who have been praying for us. Uh, People have been mowing our grass. I looked out the other day. I heard a lawnmower, and here's Larry Long out there cutting my grass. And uh, you know, I really appreciate that. Uh, this is the first time that I've ever been on this side of it. I've been around people, uh, close family members, my wife included, who have had surgery that I've had to help out with. Uh, family, friend, family and friends from churches I've been in who have need help. This is the first time I've been on the side of needing the help, and it's it's a humbling experience. I say. Uh, usually I'm the strong one. I stand up and I help, and you know God's given me the ability to do that, and I and I do it. Uh, so for me, it's been a really good experience. Uh, and I thought I thought that the uh, the uh, song this morning, "Standing on the Promises of God," was very appropriate. Uh, you know, when we when we get in these situations, God has promised that He'll be there with us. And as church uh, members, we promise to help those around us. That's part of our our faith in Christ. And uh, so God says, if you believe in me to do these things, and one of those things is helping the church members when they, when they need help. And uh, this time it was me, and I, I appreciate everybody that's helped out and the way that you all have stepped up and shown your faith. And that's one of the ways God have used this in my life and also in your lives uh, as a way of uh, you know, showing our, our faith in him. So I guess that's about all I've really got. So that was about five minutes, I suppose. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Like I said, I asked Brad to share with us because from the very beginning of his diagnosis, they've just said God has a plan. So no matter what it is, he will help us endure through this for his glory. That's shaken. But it's shaken with a firm foundation. That even when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know where your foundation is. And it's a firm foundation. I want to share one other story with you. It's, a, it's about a youth worker, a youth pastor. His name was Tony. And he was taking his high school kids to an inner city mission trip in a third world country. And, and one of the issues in this, in this country where they were going, the inner city, um, was a lot of gang violence. But they were going in to work specifically with younger kids doing VBS kind of stuff. And, and Tony takes his kids in. I never knew Tony. I heard his story not long ago. And it goes like this. Just as they're getting their group settled into the church that they would be staying at while they're on their mission trip. And it happened to be they, they came into town on a Saturday and, and they had just arrived. And two rival gangs uh, began coming down the street where the church was. 
they, they had just barely unloaded the vehicle that picked them up from the airport and had gotten everything into the church. And, and these two gangs are coming down the road toward the church. Tony's looking with the, with the missionary preacher that they were there to serve with. And he's thinking, I've, I've doomed these kids. This is it. Because just here come these gangs. And, and just so you know, a side note to kind of gang mentality. The only time that, that two rival gangs come together is to defeat a common enemy. Okay? Because it's all about turf and, and who belongs where. And, and it's kind of that mindset of the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. And so these two, these two gangs are coming down the street approaching the church and and they go inside and they they lock the doors from the inside uh it wasn't a huge church nonetheless they're they're around the building and then they're they're banging on the on the church and they're they're throwing rocks and stuff at the windows and and they're screaming and and they're saying all these things and, and the missionary says we need to worship we need to pray and and tony's like no kidding he's like no really we really need to worship and we need to pray and, and so they start singing praise songs and, and worshiping and, and taking turns just reading scriptures and, and, and singing and praying out loud. And, and the whole time, these, these gang members are just beating on the doors and, and shaking the doors and, and, and trying to get into the church. They weren't just standing on their foundation, this group of kids and, and their ministry, but they were clinging to it. The hope beyond hope that everything would be okay. And, and eventually, both gangs just kind of walked away. The next day was Sunday, and one of the two gang leaders came to church. And Tony was speaking, and the guy was translating for him. And he sees him come in and sit down, and he's thinking, I have no idea what's about to happen here. He didn't know what to expect. After church, the gang leader came forward, and he, and he explained through an interpreter that he and the other gang leader were planning to come into the back door and just start shooting and just, just kind of havoc all over the place. But that every time they got near the door, they just couldn't move any closer. And he couldn't explain it as, as, a, as a gang member. He couldn't explain that why they got right to the door, but physically couldn't move from that point. He didn't accept Christ at that day. But he asked a lot of questions. And it was very clear that God had begun to work on the heart of this gang leader. And it was started out for that group as something that was just shaken and just horrendous. It was something totally different. As they stayed in that city, their group had no other issues with any gangs while they were in there working with the little kids as they learned what they were wanting to do. It just goes to show you, like what Brad said, what... Sometimes what, what the world may plan or think is a horrible, horrible thing. God has a bigger plan. Yeah, there's a risk when you go on mission trips. There's a risk when you go and do something to honor God. But it's kind of amazing that here's this group of kids who show up in this city and, and are confronted by two rival gangs that are known for their violence and for the things that they did in that city, the havoc that they brought into the city. Yet the two strongest men of those two gangs got to the door of the church and found themselves immobile. They were shaken even more than the people inside singing. I guarantee it. Brothers and sisters, when your foundation is being shaken, your biggest need is to worship and pray. 
to trust on the promises of God that he will not forsake you during these times. And when you're not being shaken, your focal point should be building and strengthening your foundation on Jesus Christ and his word. What would Huntsville Christian Church be like if we worshiped and prayed? I don't mean just on Sundays. We do that pretty well. I mean, on our own, before we all get here. What would our community be like if we worshiped and prayed and built up our foundation Monday through Saturday, not just come in and throw a little mortar on it on Sunday? What, what would it be like here? What would our world be like if we prayed and worshiped God, praising him through the storms of our lives, knowing that he never lets go? If you want to see an innumerable acts like growth and holy pandemonium and things like this and see the foundations of our world shaken, we need to start by praying and by learning what God's word says. You know, it used to make me laugh. As I was growing up, and, and you would drive through uh, a lot of different towns and stuff, or I would. I traveled a lot. And, and I, you would see a sign. It would say, like, revival, these three days. And I used to think, wow, church is planning a revival. Because my thought is this. I come here every Sunday praying that a revival will just break out. Because I think planning a revival is kind of like telling God, okay, we're going to plan this party and you get to show up and move. And then when we're done, when the event is over, you can go back, God, and leave us alone. My heart aches for the day when we come here to worship and hear his word and revival breaks out. And no one's hungry. No one's worried about how long we're here, but, but that it becomes shaken in a good way. I pray for the Sunday where as a congregation, God's Holy Spirit moves through us so boldly that we are shaken to our spiritual core. Not just one or two of us going out going, oh, that tore me up, but everybody going, oh, I just got to look inside myself. And, and that individual pandemonium just kind of breaks out as each one of us as individuals realize that it's time to get rid of the garbage in our lives. And then as a fellowship of believers, we begin to shed off the chains of sin that have allowed us, that we've allowed to bind us. Don't misunderstand what I said about revivals. I believe you can plan opportunities for revival, but you can't plan revival. I believe that when, when, when we build our doctrinal foundation, when, when we really build our personal foundations on the word of God, on Jesus Christ and his resurrection, that when we're shaken by what's going on around us, no matter what it is, we can still maintain focus. And we will have the ability to honor God through any situation. Amen? Amen? Don't say it if you don't mean it. Sometimes as a congregation, we get shaken. We don't always plan it. We can't always explain it. And in those times, we have to make decisions and people have to make decisions and things happen. But I want to challenge you guys. When you find that you're shaken, when you find that someone in our church is shaken, don't gossip about it. Don't do a, bless their heart. You know what happened to them? Get on your knees and pray. Pray for their foundation. Come alongside them and lift them up. Being shaken all by yourself is no fun. If I was the only leader at camp this week, I would have probably just jumped in the pool and never swam back up to the surface. <laughs> all right. But I had, I had guys like Warnick and Kevin and and, and the, the staff and the volunteers and the other adults that were there to help that were just like, hey, we got this covered, you take care of that. 
Because there's no fun being shaken by yourself. And, and sometimes in those times, we get the urge, we want to gossip, or we want to, we want to take what's, what's coming as a focus to us, and we want to shift it to somebody else. And you go, well, my situation is pretty bad, but do you see what happened to them? Oh, I feel better now. Don't. Don't do that. Don't put people down because you're being shaken. And don't put people down because they're being shaken. The world wants to come in and wants to distract us. Satan wants to turn us upside down. But God wants to unleash us to change all that. Sometimes in life we have a lot of tough decisions to make. And and we're not always going to agree with one another. But as I said earlier, Christ came and, and one of his prayers was for unity. And I'll tell you, when you're being shaken... Nothing strengthens you more than unity of believers. We can always honor God no matter what's going on. When we're being shaken to the core, we can still be a vessel and allow him to pour us out and be a shining light for him. That's, that's my prayer for you guys this week. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, as you prepare to leave here today, I want to challenge everybody because you will be shaken at some point this week it may be spiritual it may be physical it may have to do with your finances i don't know but i promise you you will have opportunity and you will be shaken and you'll be distracted i want you to find your foundation stand on it because it's real promises in god's word are for all of us as you think about where you are today if you have a decision you need to make Come forward. We'll pray with you. We're always ready for baptism. If you'd like to come alongside us and help us turn our community upside down for Jesus Christ, don't wait another day. Let's, let's do what we can. Let's stand on our foundation and not allow Satan to just shake us anymore as individuals.